0: There is an idol that latches on to us the moment we begin developing in the womb. This idol is not made of silver or gold, but of labels stitched into a Frankenstein monster. Its name is identity. No one gets any say whatsoever in their identity before they're born. We inherit our parents' racial identities. A doctor announces our gender identity at birth or before. If our parents adhere to a certain faith, they usually raise us in that faith, infusing us with a religious identity. As we get older, our sexual identities develop seemingly all on their own. Even after we develop our powers of reason and independence, we get very little say in our identities, yet identity exerts its power over us in a number of ways, both direct and indirect. Sometimes we willingly give power to this idol by rooting large portions of our awareness and self-worth in various aspects of our identity. Conflated with a sense of self-importance, this can lead to thinking ourselves better than others. From this dangerous and willing devotion to the idol of identity comes racial, gender, religious, and other forms of identity-based supremacy. Identity becomes self-worship. Sometimes other people give identity power in our lives. Either threatened by our identity or deeming some aspect of their own better than ours, they lash out against us or those who share some portion of identity with us. Their racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, or otherwise discriminatory attack makes us feel the need to defend that aspect of our identity, sometimes by reacting with one of our own identity becomes a matter of self-preservation. Sometimes we are deceived and encouraged to give this idol power in our lives. A child may adopt the viewpoints of a racist parent who then reinforces these ideas by bonding over them with the child who trusts the parent to teach them about the world. Persuasive people convince others of a certain identity's supremacy or inferiority by playing on emotions, desires, or aversions. Identity becomes a matter of manipulation and control. Americans are taught from a young age to take great pride in their national identities. We learn to stand in reverence, hand over hearts for the Pledge of Allegiance and National Anthem. Teachers fill us with lessons on the ideals America supposedly represents, stories of the courage and accomplishments of great American heroes, and the importance of being loyal and upstanding citizens of the United States. We are so indoctrinated with nationalism that we, including many American preachers, present this idolatry as a virtue we call patriotism. Identity becomes a wolf in sheep's clothing. What you might ask is so bad about taking pride in the people or nation one comes from? There are three very important reasons why identity, including the false virtue of patriotism, is not a Christian value. These reasons are revealed quite well in a story from the Acts of the Apostles. As the Apostles are busy organizing the first iteration of the church, Peter is invited to the home of Cornelius, a centurion soldier stationed in Caesarea of Palestine. Arriving at the home of this Italian man, Peter explains that it is against the law for a Jew to associate or visit anyone from another nation but just before receiving the invitation he'd received a vision that prompted him to accept the invitation anyway he asks why he's been summoned Cornelius explains he's had his own vision in which he was urged to send for a man named Simon who is called Peter He asked Peter to share everything God has commanded him to share. In Acts 10.34-43 we read, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one God appointed to judge or appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Our first reason why identity and patriotism are not Christian values is given in the first sentence sentence of this passage, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God does not have a chosen people or nation. Your identity, including your national identity, does not matter to God. God will not turn anyone away because of the color of their skin, their gender, or their sexual orientation. Being an American does not earn you points towards wings and a golden halo. All that matters is that you fear God and do what's right. Now people hear this phrase, God-fearing, and they get the wrong idea. Fearing God has nothing to do with cowering and trembling in fright. The original Greek word used is phobo and while its common meaning is to fear, it can also mean awestruck. God is not an abusive monster we hide from, but a caring parent in whose magnificence we stand in wonderment. With this understanding of fearing God, I will even go so far as to say your religious identity does not matter to God. Understanding God as not as the designer of the universe, but as being the design of the universe, a sermon I'm sure the lectionary will bring me to eventually, we can understand that anyone, even if they deny the existence of God, can stand in awe of God. That leaves only the requirement that we do what is right, which brings us to Jesus. And our second reason, identity and patriotism are not Christian values. Our second reason is that God offers peace and liberation to all people. Peter tells us God sent a message to Israel through Jesus. This was the spiritual philosophy, the good news of peace, Jesus taught and demonstrated for us to imitate. And following this philosophy of peace, we fulfill the doing what's right half of entering God's kingdom. But Jesus knows living in complete peace is contrary to the world. Though it's a much easier way of life, my yoke is light, he says. It is difficult to live in complete peace when we are constantly tempted, battered, and distressed by the world. Living in complete peace and doing what is right is often a revolutionary action, and revolutions are hard to sustain. Knowing this, Jesus does us a favor. He does it first, so we can follow in his footsteps. God sends Jesus to Israel, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Jesus did not come to Israel only for the Jews, but for everyone he met. It's important to note that Jesus' only face-to-face interaction with Satan was during his temptation in the wilderness. The people under the power of the devil... Here are those living under the oppressive rule of Herod Antipas in Roman occupation. This is our mission as his followers. Preach peace, do good, and heal. Not some, but everyone, being oppressed by wickedness. Our last reason identity and patriotism are not Christian values is that Jesus offers a path for all people to experience God and take part in manifesting God's kingdom. He was teaching people to cast off their earthly masters and live only according to God's will. This creates a problem for Herod and Rome, leading to Jesus being crucified, a punishment commonly reserved for slaves who revolt. Or people who incite rebellion against the empire. The crucifixion doesn't have the desired effect, though. The movement has already begun. Three days after his death, Jesus comes back and tells his followers to continue his ministry. He brings them a new message God has appointed him as the judge of the living and the dead. In crucifying him, rather than silencing Jesus, they made him, not earthly rulers, the only authority to which anyone must answer. Peter concludes by saying, All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What this means all the prophets testify about him is summed up by Jesus himself in the Gospel of Matthew when he says in everything do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets the prophets refer to Jesus as Emmanuel a name that means God is with us believe and practice this principle of doing as you would have them do to you and you will be freed because god will be with you no matter what your identity is identity and patriotism are not christian values they are worldly values as followers of christ we are to be in the world but not of it as followers of christ we are to abandon Our worldly identities for spiritual identities. We denounce citizenship in the nations of men and become citizens of God's kingdom, where there are no borders. And only Jesus is king. But don't take this sermon as speaking against identity-based movements. As Christians, we are called to serve the oppressed and marginalized, even as Jesus did. Christians of every color should be offering support for Black Lives Matter, the BDS movement, the LGBTQ rights movement, the Me Too movement, and others. No one proclaiming a Christian faith should speak in favor of either Trump or Biden locking children in cages, of hate groups or identity-based nationalism, of police harassing and brutalizing and killing people of color, or any other form of oppression our fellowship with christ calls on us to cast off our own identities and not judge others by theirs but it does not excuse us from in fact it requires us to raise our voices against and do what is in our power to oppose and end oppression who that says my identity is greater than others can also say they believe god shows no partiality who can attack another person's identity and also say they do to others as they would have done to them who can say they are a proud patriot of an earthly nation and also say they belong to god's kingdom and who among us would oppose their own oppression but remain silent concerning the oppression of others, and also be truthful in saying they love their neighbor as themselves. I pose these questions rhetorically because no one proclaiming fellowship with Christ should have to think about the answers. Thank you for listening to the Emancipated Ministry. May God's everlasting peace, love, and light be with you.